the next the next GIS project we're working on is to identify chronic diseases in Franklin Rentham and Norfolk, um, separate them out. And uh, I think that should be interesting too to see. We can actually show the percentage of people who have maybe high blood pressure, diabetes, things like that. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and on the local Franklin Mass radio dial, FM radio dial at 102.9. Here today for another conversation with our Town of Franklin Health Director, Kathleen Liberty. Kathleen, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Steve. Glad to be here. Glad to have you so we can talk health stuff, because as we were talking with the weather, the temp dropped. I know. <laughs> Significantly. <laughs> with that <laughs> that's one of those things that you know okay you didn't wear the jacket yesterday you wore short sleeves now you gotta wear long sleeves and maybe start putting something extra layers on i know you don't know whether wear boots or sandals <laughs> but it's winter we're almost it's still fall and we're still enjoying some of the good color obviously the temps changing we're coming into winter but you know it's yeah. new england it's new england so let's continue to talk and kind of pick up some of the themes that we've talked of here on our almost monthly basis um, mm -hmm. in regards to health and what you do to help the residents um, in all aspects across the health yeah. spectrum. A um, yeah. couple of pieces coming out of the monthly meeting that you had with the board. Um, mm -hmm. You had a great health fair event in October. We did. Very exciting. Um the director of the library uh, told me that they had uh, pegged about over 480 people came through the library. I'm not sure how they keep count, but I, I'm going to believe her. So we had over 30 vendors um, that uh, the our epidemiologist and public health nurse really put all the work into um, getting the vendors, getting the vendors set up. Um, it was, boy, I think a six-month progress uh, process. Sorry, um, to put that on, and it was just great. Um, I loved it. I mean, right off the bat, you walked in, you walked to the library, and you have our fire department there, uh, the fire department mascot. I'm not sure which fire department mascot that was, <laughs> but uh, he was adorable. Um, we had conservation outside, and then we had. Um, we had a, a, a farm uh, stand there as well, and they were actually giving away fresh produce, a certain amount of fresh produce. Mm -hmm. And the library friends um, were, were actually literally paying for that um, service. So uh, we want to thank them as well because that was a real draw. Yes. And then as you entered, you know, to the right was all kids activities, which is wonderful. And to the left was for adults. And um, we also had some demonstrations from uh, a gymnastic uh, facility. Um, we were supposed to have one for soccer, but for some reason they had to pull out, which is fine. But that being said, it was a success. So um, the library director asked if we could do a spring um, health fair. Um, and so I was speaking with our epidemiologist about you know, what we want the spring fair to look like um, related to health as well. Um, and we were talking about, you know, how we feel in the spring, right? How we want to feel refreshed after um, the long winter months and, you know, start to look maybe at skincare and, you know, massage again, of course, you always want massage and, 
you know, all of those, those vendors that, you know, have items or supplies or resources that will help us renew ourselves after a long winter. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it should yeah. be a good one. Yeah, that sounds good. It's almost like, and what I'm committing you, it's almost like you could be set up to do that kind of spring pre-summer and kind of mm -hmm. fall pre-winter twice a year type thing. And yeah, cover. The, the, the library director really, really wants it to be an annual affair. But now that she's asked for a spring, I think you'll see that every year. Yeah, happy to do it. And it is <laughs> part of uh, now that you've got effectively the full staff, as opposed to for those who may not recall, pre-COVID, we had VNA, so that we had contract services. But now through uh, a Metacomet grant, uh, you actually have people dedicated to Franklin. Well, not totally dedicated. It's still kind of a shared grant, but you've got people here on the ground who are now listening and responding to our various needs. Yeah. So our public health nurse, uh, she's full-time. Um, she has done an amazing job um, in the short time that she's been here. She has um, you know, partnered with the Housing um, Authority. Uh, she does blood pressure clinics um, and other health activities um, with the community there. Uh, we also partnered with the uh, Franklin Food Pantry where they actually, their mobile unit comes to the Housing Authority monthly and they provide uh, bags of food, shelf-stable food, and uh, different proteins for those that may be experiencing food insecurity. Um, we also do homebound vaccines, so um, COVID vaccines, boosters, flu vaccines. She's going to people's homes um, doing this, and she also does wellness checks, too, um, mm -hmm. for people who are lonely. Um, so she'll actually go and, and check on a few people and stay with them, talk with them, and try to make their day a pleasant one. But all in all, too, and I think I told you this before, um, we enrolled in the um, Vaccines for Children program with the uh, state with DPH. Um, so we're looking at programs for um, children uh, in town who may not have a physician uh, big pediatrician and might not be able to get their vaccines to enter the school system. Um, so we're starting to to talk logistics about that, like what that may look like um, and how do we help our community if, if there is a need. We're not even sure there's a need, but we have that opportunity if there is. Um, so, yeah, so she's doing great and she helps in Rentham and Norfolk with their clinics. Uh, they help with ours. Actually, they were all at the health fair giving flu shots. Mm -hmm. um, so that was so it's really nice. And we I, you know, we just had another um, when we have vaccine clinics, um, the Rentham nurses uh, help my nurse and, and vice versa. So this public health alliance is um, it's really working for the three towns, uh, Rentham, Norfolk and Franklin. And uh, with that public health alliance grant, we also were able to get an epidemiologist. Um, she's working on some really great great, great programs, great stuff. Um, she actually created the COVID dashboard when she first came in and that's still updated weekly. Um, she's worked, you know, doing uh, contact tracing um, with COVID cases. Uh, she um, had created uh, with the help of our GIS people, um, a health resource um, that can when people look at it, it's on my website, um, on the health department website. It's a healthy, uh, 
It's a community resource where, say, if you want to look and see where there's a medical doctor in Rentham, Norfolk, or Franklin, it will actually, there are flags that so will identify where the, the medical business is, the street address, and the services provided. And it and it's, uh, has, you know, a whole, a whole wealth of, of information for the community. Yeah, we've shared that link as part of, I think, through the Board of Health meeting, reporting, uh, notes, et cetera, that I've done, but we can reshare it included in the notes here because, yeah, I think that's an interactive uh, portal, effectively map-based, that yeah. by category of, you know, health concern, you can find where this doctor is located, these resources are located, some basic info, and again, GIS-based, so it's map-based, but you're pulling from you know, the public info from that resource into the doctor, into the service, et cetera. So it's a place to start as opposed to where do I go? That's one place yeah. to start to go. Yeah, it's true. And even for employers where, you know, maybe they have to send their their staff member to physical therapy, you know, they can actually utilize it if they're not from around here. Mm -hmm. um, the next, the next GIS project we're working on is to identify chronic diseases in Franklin, Rentham and Norfolk. Um, separate them out. And uh, I think that should be interesting too, to see, we can actually show the percentage of people who have maybe high blood pressure, diabetes, things like that. So we're trying to mirror like, all right, so this, um, this percentage of people have this chronic disease, and then we have the other community resource. So hopefully, you know, we can bring the two together. Um, so the community can use that. Yeah, that should be an interesting, I'm curious as well in regards to certainly given Franklin's status, city extent that while we've been here forever, the population really grew in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. So as opposed to like a major city where mm -hmm. there's been, you know, certainly the population is also dynamic in that to a certain extent in no matter where you're going, but there are certain uh, health risk areas within each of the major cities and you know peabody mm -hmm. peaker uh, peabody and the peaker power plant um <laughs> has been in the news recently so you get that kind of piece um we're fortunate i think that we don't have that per se although there are some brownfields around with some contaminated spaces that are still being worked so how does yeah. that map to you know other risks that we have it'll be interesting to see what the numbers show yeah um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It should roll out in a few months. A lot of back background work to get done first. Oh yeah, yeah. The devil's in the details. You got to make. You got to pull all the data together and va mm -hmm. validate it. Do the due diligence before exposing yeah. it to the folks. Yes. And then, in keeping talking with about the Public Health Alliance, we also share a regional health inspector. Um, our, ours is John. I should have named everybody. So our public health nurse is Alicia Casilla, is the epidemiologist. And the regional health inspector is John. Um, and so we have him a day and a half a week. Um, and he does food inspections and housing inspections and nuisance inspections. It takes a load off of my plate and the health agent's plate. Um, and so it, that's really that's really working great, too. Mm -hmm. um, he's a good fit. He's in my office where the other two are down the senior center. So, yeah, so I've got a nice, well-round uh, staff, I guess you might say. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because clearly, as we've talked in other sessions, uh, there's a boatload of work that you are responsible for. Some of it is mandated by the state. Some mm -hmm. of it is just really needed. And then from the pandemic point of view, clearly everything kind of shifted and focused on the pandemic. Now that it's 
it's not gone completely, but it's certainly deminimized uh, enough. Now you can get into back into the other things that you should be doing and had oh, taken yeah. somewhat of a back seat. So, and you yeah. get the resources to do that. Yeah, so, which is great. I'm happy about that. Actually, my third, uh, my third year anniversary is right around the corner, and it's hard to believe. I was in December, and then you know, short four months later, the pandemic hit, and right, uh, really a rude awakening, I guess you might say. And things had to go in the on the back burner, you know, restaurant inspections right off the top and housing mm-hmm. inspections right off the top. And, you know, um, it, it just was a, a whole new world for public health, um, unlike any any time before, even mm-hmm. e- even superseded H1N1. Yes. So, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah I think we'll oh. have to have a uh, celebration for that third anniversary because I think <laughs> we started recording in person and then had to shift as well because of COVID. And to your schedule credit, I think we've been fairly regular. We haven't been always every single month, but we've been fairly regular. So that's that's been good. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, speaking of COVID, right? So everybody, I hope, keeps looking at the dashboard. But know, too, that, you know, we are still holding clinics. We just had um, a bivalent booster clinic. Uh, We had a good turnout. We had almost 90 uh, no, 80. Uh, we had 80 doses. We came close to, no, I'm, I'm sorry. We had 100 doses. We vaccinated over 80. And my public health nurse is vaccinating nine more people today who are homebound. Mm-hmm. And yours truly. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I think. I haven't decided yet. Uh-oh. But um, And then we also are holding uh, flu vaccine clinics as well. And we really had uh, quite a turnout this year. Normally, historically, we only uh, vaccinated about 70 people. Um, and we uh, vaccinated close to 90, I believe. Um, and that's thanks to Rentham, actually. Um, they brought some of their doses. We had state supply doses and we had purchase supply doses. Um, so uh, I was really happy that we're increasing the flu vaccine uh, vaccinations overall. Yeah, because I think as what I've been reading and what we've been hearing, clearly while we're less masked, um, mm-hmm. we'll be thereby more exposed to picking up things from here and there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of normal. We've it, we've kind of forgotten about it. So mm-hmm. I think if anything, it, it's shown us that the vaccines do work. Uh, mm-hmm. If you do get COVID, generally you're better off than having had the vaccine than not. Right. Um and masks also do work because now we're finding a lot of other little things along the way that are coming up that, you know, Chloe, while we were all masked, we weren't getting. Well, they do, but they don't. And and what I mean by that is you and I were just talking about the virus, the RSV. That's not new by any means. No. But because, because of the children hadn't been exposed to the normal viruses, right, the strain of viruses that kind of go through because possibly this is just my my you know my overview of it that possibly they their immune systems weren't up to par you know and that could be too not just mass that could be because they weren't leaving their homes either they weren't going to daycare they weren't going to school and this is these are the places and and the activities that children learn how they're to grow their immune system right to build Mm -hmm. their not grow it but build it uh, and they they weren't able to do that and so now we're seeing 
a significant increase in RSV, and that's the acronym is RSV, but it's called respiratory syncytial virus. Um, right. And so I do know I was uh, on a call with a, two directors of hospitals and long-term care facilities, and the increase in adult and pediatric RSV is significant and problematic because as a rule, hospitals don't have a lot of pediatric beds. Um, and so what they're seeing is with this increase of, you know, children with the RSV, RSV that has to be admitted, they're actually having to, you know, send children to other hospitals, mm -hmm. um, which is a problem with an ambulance ride. Sure. They don't have enough of oxygen that may be needed for the patient. So it's a real domino effect um, that they're seeing. They're also seeing adult, like I said, um, but they have more adult beds as a rule. So it's it it can be mild to very serious um, virus. And so, you know, you just have to remember too to wash your hands. I mean, we cannot forget how significant hand washing is when it comes to fighting bacteria and viruses and things like that. So mm -hmm. You know, we talked about that a lot, but I mean, yes. So we did find out about face masks did work because we saw a significant decrease in flu uh, cases while we were wearing masks. So, so I think there's pros and cons with with mask wearing overall. The same with everything else, right? There's always pros yeah. and cons. Everything. I don't. I wouldn't make a, a recommendation either or. It's really kind of up to the person. And I still see people wearing masks. Um, yeah, there are circumstances where I still I am masked, especially in an unknown indoor environment with a large number of people. Right, yeah. I feel safer in one of the town buildings because I know from the reporting, and we've got the air filtering, and uh, in our indoor buildings, mm -hmm. that's okay. But if I'm into another public building with a large group of people, like at a theater or a concert or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go masked for my safety as well as their safety, because who knows what's yeah. around there. Yeah. Well, and some people have really severe allergies uh, in the spring and the fall. Uh, mask wearing has really helped reduce the, you know, those, those, the allergy symptoms sure. that come along. It keeps the pollens away. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. So again, pros and cons, right? Yep. Um, but I just hope this RSV for children kind of starts to spiral down and not up. Yeah, my wife was a teacher for a number of years. And over time, she would always kind of catch, especially in September, October, she'd kind of get into the new role, the new the new crew of kids, et cetera, come mm -hmm. back with that first cold. And then she was kind of like <laughs> set so if it, depending upon yeah. if if I was in to do kind of a guest reading or whatever in that same period, I may catch the same thing. But then after that, you just the immunity's kind of built up. They build up over time, but there's always something out there. So there is. There's always something out there. Yeah. <laughs> so Definitely. but it, you know, just to uh, you know, just remember, wash your hands, don't touch your eyes, don't touch your face, just just you know, kind of kind of keep it the way it has been with COVID. I mean. Mm -hmm. And especially oh. getting into kind of the uh, holiday season where there will be indoor gatherings, mm. uh, generally around food, which is all well and good, but not mm. just the washing of the hands, but the food prep, the food care. You know, mm. if you've got leftovers, make sure that they, you know, stay out an appropriate time and that'll mm -hmm. vary from case to case. So it will. Yeah. You know, so as far as, 
you know, the, the groups and gatherings, you know, be smart to do a COVID test um, before, you know, going to a large family, you know, gathering um, just to be on the safe side. And then as far as the food goes, you know, um, don't wash your turkey. <laughs> so, in the sink. I mean, can't say anymore. Don't wash your turkey in the sink. Um, you know, so there's turkey actually is probably one of the proteins that can can grow the most serious toxin if left out, you know, in the danger zone, we call it um, for more than, you know, four hours, um, though the food code has changed. I'm pretty sure it's still four hours is the danger zone. You know, so remember, you know, after we take our turkey out, we let it sit for a while, let those juices distribute evenly mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we carve it, you know, and we eat, let's put that turkey in the refrigerator as soon as, as we can, just to make sure that no toxins uh, grow on the, the protein itself. You know, and we also have to remember with some of our other side dishes as well. I mean, food that's left, you know, to just to cool on the counter, you know, there, there can be problems with that time and temperature uh, holding. So, you know, be safe with everything, right? Um, and, you know, I can't say more about not washing our poultry in the sink. So that can transmit salmonella um, to a number of our, our foods, a number of our utensils, and we've got to watch out for contamination. So, um, so, so be very safe with your washing of your turkey. I just pat mine down. I never, I never wash it. I don't know about you. Just pat it down. I tend to <laughs> rinse it, but I also hold it above so it doesn't touch the surface <laughs> yeah. of anything, and that yeah. can work as well. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the case, it's like you really want to just pour the water through the cavity, you know? Yes. There's just <laughs> something yeah. about that. <laughs> Give so. the bird a shower so it can go and cook <laughs> properly. <laughs> True. I can't believe we're talking turkey. I can't I can't believe we're here already. It's, it, you know, it's amazing what happens when the calendar moves a day at a time, then turn around all of a sudden, it, whoa. <laughs> I know. I know. I will tell you, we have a, um, we have a grant that we wrote. Um, I say we, the health department and a, and a food consultant so that we can have um, a, a food safety television show. Um, and that would be with our cable um, TV channel. So we're waiting to hear if we get that grant. And then oh, we'll, be talk- we'll be talking a lot more about food safety. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the yeah. studio has started getting used more as we're coming out of the COVID piece. Um, so yeah. that's... I've started doing some recording sessions there as opposed to totally being uh, on Zoom. Although to the extent that I focus on the audio side, at some point in time, my work, I want to get more into the video side. Uh, Not that I generally want to be in front of the camera, but, you know, there are certain folks in certain discussions that are better in camera view and a video view rather than just an audio view. So, yeah. Um, actually, we were, uh, we, the um, nurse and epidemiologist and myself, we were interviewed in person um, a number of months ago. And uh, it was nice. It was nice yes. to have a, just a conversation. You know, you want to, you, you talk often about having, you know, my staff together and kind of a, a, a conversation. Maybe we should do it in person. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the studio is a good place for that. Um, yeah. we can, it can get set up for, well, we could use the small studio or the large studio um, and, and, and make it work. Absolutely. We should plan on that. That way, you know, each person can kind of tell their story 
um, and how they can help within the community. Um, and that brings me to, I think, our last topic. We're kind of buzzing through this today, but um, I just want to remind anyone who's listening um, that you and I do another podcast for the health department that's called The Topic. Um, and I believe we just had our fifth uh, yeah. podcast. Our fifth is in review, should be coming out shortly. Yep. Shortly. Um, and that was on dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, we had an extremely knowledgeable person that we interviewed and uh, learned learned something ourselves uh, about this um, dementia and Alzheimer's. And um, so that'll be coming out soon. And that's really good information. Um, and we've had others, food insecurity, um, uh, substance use, intimate partner violence. Um, you know, so we're still coming up with other topics and we want to keep get, you know, keep getting going with these and right. putting them up a little bit more often. Yeah, they've been, they've been interesting topics. And the one you didn't mention uh, gives me an opportunity to plug in for the music therapy as well. That was oh, the fourth topic. That right. was highly interesting. <laughs> that was so good. We we tried um, writing. We did. We wrote a good grant to get that, uh, get a program going for uh, the Safe Coalition. Uh, we partnered with them. We didn't get it, but um, the Safe Coalition is actually, they do have drums um, that they're using for their therapy session. Oh, kind of a drum circle type thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're already starting to look at that alternatively. Um, I know the Senior Center wants to get a program as well. Um, so we're still we're still dabbling in that because I think mm -hmm. it's a definitely a worthy cause. Yeah. And while we're at it, the senior center, I believe they have an open house on uh, or an open hour. I think it's November 15th. I'll confirm the, the piece for the show notes. But the Tune It Out program, which is currently focused on the veterans and guitar lessons for them, um, they're having an open session. So those who are veterans and may be interested in exploring, can I play guitar? Can I be the next Mick Jagger? Mm -hmm. You can do that for free here in Franklin. You can, and that that's so that's near and dear to my heart. Um, my, an intern and myself uh, last year, maybe long no, before before COVID, before the, right before the pandemic, um, we brought that um, idea to um, the veterans office. Um, at the time, the old director was here, and now the new director, Shannon. Mm -hmm has embraced this program and we started with one um, guitar instructor and four veterans and now we're up to I think just I think it's 14 and growing yeah I've heard it was yeah. over 10 participants with now four instructors four instructors yeah so. so how exciting so yeah so that makes that's where I get the number 14 and they're having an open house and they're just jamming and and um what, what what we wanted too, and this has happened, okay. is that some of the um, veterans that are involved in the tuna program have, you know, made their way to the coffee, the veterans coffee, and you know, we wanted to build a support group yes. for the veterans that, whether they experience symptoms of PTSD or not, but to have a, a support group, um, and it, it, you know what, they built it themselves. We just we just kind of got the guitars and and if anyone else wants to you know anyone has a, a old guitar or a new guitar that they're not playing and it's just collecting dust you know drop it off to the health department so we can continue to get more people playing the guitars you know that'd be great but yeah, yeah that's just near and dear to my heart so, yeah. and you know 
While we're on the subject of interns, I always have a lot of interns here from Worcester State University. And um, right after the pandemic, I think it was last year, I had a, an amazing intern who really got involved with uh, food waste um, management and food waste program. Mm -hmm. And we had a small pilot program that we were trying to get up and running at one of the elementary schools. And it just, it just, it, it's sometimes pilot programs are messy, but it got um, a few people from DPW and our facilities department um, involved. And I have to say, after much planning, we uh, start our uh, food waste program um, the Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And so this is not a pilot. It's a pilot, but we're definitely, this is a program now that we're going to be um, you know, reducing waste in the schools. Um, the senior center is also going to be participating mm -hmm. um, right off the bat. And we, and ultimately this will be uh, implemented in all the schools. So we uh, have the superintendent's blessing and the principals at the school that were starting it. And uh, so this actually stemmed from uh, an intern, you know, just doing their practicum. And uh, I have to say, you know, it, the health department facilities, DPW, the schools, we all came together, we worked together, and, and now this is a program that we're implementing. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of the evolving pieces. And I think it's somewhat, if not directly, but tangentially related, the state regulations also mm -hmm. is requiring food waste to come out of the trash waste. So looking one to reducing the waste created, um, yes. but then looking creatively at how else you can use, you know, we, we have a big dinner, the family can have leftovers, but then if you're doing that at a restaurant, well, how do they handle with their leftovers? Um, so there's some creative programs being used with apps so that they can do kind of a, a bag to go. You just pay a price and you can get, you know, a surprise, but good food from a particular restaurant and on a regular basis. So well, there's lots so of just, opportunities. Yeah, back to go. So that might be my next program because, <laughs> you know, so this has to be done within the school system, right? So, Correct. Yeah. So that's why we're, we're heading in that direction. But we also did discuss how we can get the mom and pop um food establishments to be on board as well and reducing waste but this might be an inexpensive way what you just said you know back to go where some people who anybody not you don't have to experience food insecurity but anybody great if, if for three dollars i get a, a meal or two mm -hmm. that helps on both ends so I think you just kind of gave me a, <laughs> you just planted a seed in this mind that just never stops thinking. <laughs> so, yep, that's that's the glory. You. That's that's the glory of a conversation. You never know what's going to happen. The spontaneity, the serendipity, it's just, you know, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I know um, we have a, 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 a resident in town um, uh, that visits the, um, larger supermarkets weekly and gets their leftovers and distributes them throughout the town in another town. Um, and she's actually going to the housing authority as well once a week. So, you know, there's that, that stuff's already happening, mm -hmm. but it's not averting waste per se. Um, and so that's kind of, we want to kind of avert the throwing away. Also, I know DPW has a reduced price on uh, composting bins. Yes. So people mm -hmm. in the town can do their own composting um so that's a plug um for someone who's interested in doing that 
Yeah. Yeah. That, again, that's coming directly as a result of trying to reduce the food waste into the trash stream, mm -hmm. if you will, um, get yep. it out of that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, that's trash that can be better positioned. It doesn't need to be in our trash stream, which yep. then also saves the residents because we'll effectively have less pounds, less tonnage, and thereby we don't have to pay for trashing it. We can mm -hmm. recycle it, recompost it, reuse it in some other way. So yeah, it's a win-win. Win-win, for sure. And, and we're kind of hoping too that the the children, the elementary school children, will will bring this idea home. You know, they're going to be they're going to be doing this on a daily basis, five days a week. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're going to learn. They're going to learn what goes into what barrel. Right. You know, what what do we throw away? And what do we not throw away? Mm -hmm. so they can bring this teaching to the home. And so that's kind of another piece that we were hoping would would kind of follow this program. You know, Indeed. kids are. Yeah. So yeah. education is best when it's recognized as, ooh, I should do this, right? So starting yeah. with the readiness, you know, where people are ready. Um, certainly the school age is eager. They're eager to learn. Let's tap into mm -hmm. them. Um, and yeah. then that can carry through. And you've been touching in in the other arenas of the community as well, in terms of the housing program, in terms of the senior center, and through the library. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunities to find out, oh, should we do this better health-wise? Yeah, and I have to say here in Franklin, working with the other department heads is just, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real, real easy, easy thing to do. And that doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy about that. Because this this health director has a lot of thoughts. And I, we, I have, what do you call it, uh, stakes in the fire, like about other things that I'll talk to you about in a few months. So. When they're more ready to talk about. When they're more ready to talk about. <laughs> but knowing that I have the other department's support, is it helps me in mm -hmm. what I need to do. So Good. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending some time today to talk a variety of health topics. <laughs> I know. You, you're welcome. It's great. It's always great to talk about this stuff. Thank Indeed. You. Well, stay healthy. I'm sure you'd well, you like too. to do that. And that's one of your wishes for all the residents and listeners is. Is to stay healthy as well. It is. And happy Thanksgiving to you. And to you and yours and to all the listeners, to you as well. And so final much. reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.